0: This is a podcast from SPH Radio. Generation Gap with Elliot Danker. Hi, I'm Elliot Danker, and welcome to Generation Gap. We've got different generations now entering the workforce, so it's important to understand how to work with each other better. Well, this podcast deals with the various issues different generations face in the workforce, things like needs, goals, and managing conflict. And today, to talk about managing feedback with different generations is Elizabeth Fitzel, Managing Director, Asia Pacific at Sterling Risk. Elizabeth, thanks for taking the time. How are you?
1: I'm super, thank you, Elliot.
0: Yeah, it's been quite interesting. Now that we're in phase two, some people still continuing to work from home, some people back in the office. But to start us off, I want to quantify what feedback is because you have a case sometimes of, you know, the person giving feedback is the only one that really gets satisfied because it sort of quantifies some kind of an emotional need. Um, What are your thoughts on this and how best to give feedback?
1: Look, I, I, I love that articulation. And the whole concept of feedback sometimes results in great fear. But for me... What I look at is feedback is the basis for improvement. And how I position it is that fundamentally we give feedback for two reasons. And one is to say, yes, what you're doing is great. Keep doing it. And I think that sometimes we underestimate the need to do that. And that's what I'm hearing from you, Elliot. But how often have we done fabulous things and actually received no recognition for them? We're not really inclined to do it again, are we? Then the other side is... no side what you were doing may not get us where you want to be or where we want to be and for me either of those options is on like a directional marker and if feedback is given and taken effectively it can provide us with a real sense of control and purpose and I think in work that you know it's all around people say oh improving employee performance and engagement but it can also really build strong interpersonal relationships when we trust each other to give and take that feedback so for me feedback is very important Elliot I just like to touch briefly and we talk about four or five generations in work because I think yeah, that does yeah. that does basically come with its challenges because I think that today's business environment may indeed be the first business environment where we've had to deal with this many different generations working side by side together. And we're working for shared economic and commercial goals. And each of those generations can have different expectations, different communication styles and perspectives, because we were all born in different worlds and different ways of doing things. So let's take a look at our millennials, 1981 to 2000, the largest generation in the current workforce. And they're the ones that grew up in the internet revolutionised society. They're way more comfortable with communicating digitally than previous generations. They crave positive reinforcement and they seek to validate their value to an organisation. And to address these needs, managers need to provide daily acknowledgement of their contributions and redirect them immediately if they do something wrong. Do it instantly. Don't set up formal meetings to discuss the issue. And how I like to think about it is, it's when you're giving millennials feedback, it's almost like a tweet, right? Do it frequently, do it on the spot. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think, you know? But we look at Generation X, 1965 to 1980. Now, they're a great generation, um Inst- yeah. They're a great generation. They were shaped by the evolution of personal computers. And they're generally more educated than previous generations. Now they're comfortable using technology but also very comfortable with face to face. Everybody wants recognition but it's the way in which people like to receive that recognition that changes over time and for Generation X's the real focus is on competition. They want to know how they are doing in relation to everybody else and this requires constant and up-to-date feedback. You know, I think that Generation Xers really, really want to participate in continuous learning opportunities. And when it comes to feedback, they want to be able to learn, grow and develop from what you have to say. And with the Xers, providing a printed copy of that evaluation really is something tangible they can take home. And just on that home basis too, I think we need to be really conscious with Gen X is that they're likely to resist responsibilities that may limit family time. That's in real contrast to millennials. Um, If I just look at the baby boomers born after World War II, 1946 to 64. Now while they didn't grow up with computers, they will still use technology for job related functions. And they tend to be more comfortable with traditional feedback processes, and they include formal meetings not like our tweeting friends in the millennial. Big goals are really important to boomers and they want to make sure they've made their mark. So your feedback session should be aimed at determining what their goals are. They do tend to have higher needs for control and again the provision of effective feedback helps them feel more in control of what to work on and how to. And they also want a bit more input than their predecessors, the traditionalists, Mm -hmm. which we'll come to now. And they do want documentation to back it up. We look at the traditionalists, 1922 to 1945. And Elliot, today's workplace is characterised by a really ageing workforce. And we can even see the encouragement of older people to come back into the workplace. And they grew up without today's technology. I mean, some didn't have home phones, let alone hand phones. And many members of this generation also have come from or overcome adverse economic conditions. They may appreciate technology, but they certainly may not be as familiar or as comfortable using it. They really value personal interactions and they will lean more towards the structured meeting. Their communication style is very tactful. They're very respectful to their superiors, and they will be receptive to feedback if it's given tactfully. And I think what's very important about traditionalists, and to a degree baby boomers, is that you may need to encourage them to participate in feedback by actively soliciting their views. Very unlike the millennials, who are so happy to provide you with their views. I know that was long, but I just think it's those four groups have got such distinct needs, Elliot.
0: Well, actually, it brings up a couple of interesting points. You see, by your definition, I would fall under the category of millennials. Uh, At the same time, I don't really relate to millennials. I relate more with the way Generation X does things uh, in the sense that, you know, Telling me how I've done, putting it on a piece of paper and comparing it with my peers is validation enough. Whereas I don't really need to hear how well I've done within my own bubble in that sense. Um, Is this a potential problem for employers in the sense that they really need to understand how or what their employees relate to in order to give the right feedback?
1: 100% agree. Ellie, to me, those categories are very broad categories and what those generational categories provide us for, like a foundation. But across all those foundations, there are different personalities types. There are introverts, there are extroverts, and they can be millennials, they can be traditionalists. So you're absolutely right is that we can't pigeonhole people, but I do think an understanding of the generational foundation And individuals' perspectives are key. And you can actually, using the foundation, and then with effective feedback, that's when you learn the individual style.
0: What do we do then with the strawberry generation or the generation that's in school right now and preparing to enter the workforce? Is there a a completely different character that we need to be prepared for?
1: I mean, in view of today's situation, and you know, the the new normal that we're all dealing with, I think this could really be really be a really shaping force in that strawberry generation. Because if you think back to our the beginning of our conversation, it was the traditionalists who had grown up in adverse economic conditions. And I believe the strawberry generation will also experience that. So that will actually be an additional layer to, in essence, The evolution of the internet society because more and more that instant gratification that I can have everything at a click that you are my coach I am providing you with feedback I want now that is only accelerating so for me I think it's going to be very very interesting watching how we handle those people as they actually and how they develop within this new normality that we're all living in it would be I any mean, that would just be fascinating
0: it's quite interesting because the way you put it it sounds to me like uh an entire species going through a full circle of evolution you know the industrialists um the generation that's upcoming sort of reset and go back to having the kind of uh mindset of the industrialists and and we keep going through this cycle every every hundred years or so
1: Look, how eloquent, absolutely, how eloquent. Because for them, it's like, for us, it's a real, isn't it a real relearning? Because they're only entering the workforce. What our current work from home environment is doing for us is making us relearn. But this new generation will walk in and this will be their new normal. And they will learn. So absolutely, we're the ones who are having to adapt. We're the ones who are really having to reset. Whereas it's their starting point, Elliot, it's going to be absolutely fascinating watching this because we can look back and we can think of how the Industrial Revolution transformed us, the first one in the 1900s, and we look what this one's going to do, you know what I mean, in the 2000s, in view of the speed at which we are developing and the speed of technology, it is absolutely going to be seismic, absolutely.
0: Yeah, well, the historians are certainly going to have fun with this. Uh. <laughs> Honestly, do you think there is a case of us as employees uh, needing to be more self-aware? I mean, we keep talking about leaders and how they have to understand their staff and how um, through that they will be able to give better feedback. But what about us? Maybe we should understand ourselves so that we can give feedback of how we want to receive feedback so to make the job a little bit easier for our bosses.
1: Ellie, to me, I suppose, and, and how I'm going to reframe that is I think that what we always talk about is the importance of giving feedback. And I certainly know that in my management training, there was always the emphasis on giving feedback, but rarely as much emphasis on receiving feedback. So that that's how I'm reframing what you have said to me right. is, so I think that what's really important is, is that as much as we actually are cancelled or trained and have to give we need to be able to receive feedback so for me that's about really clearly articulating what feedback is and just for removing and it was interesting in your opening when you were talking you talked about the you know the emotional venting well for me that's something that we really have to strip from the whole concept of feedback Feedback for me is an opportunity for growth, for improvement and building of relationships. It has to be a dialogue, not a monologue. And what I always try and keep top of mind is that trust is foundational to great feedback and that only with trust can we build safety. And that is the foundation stone of every society. So I think that is the important thing. If we create environments of trust and safety, then you, as this bridge between the X and the millennial who wants a bit of what both are deemed to need, can feel safe to share that.
0: Yeah, but you know, the E word is so important, right? Emotions. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the struggle of every leader.
1: But, but then Ellie, that's me. I mean, I have a, like, I've just got this little kind of a four-step thing about giving about giving feedback which i think like really just it just helps to ground me and so literally so when i try to give feedback the first thing i try and do is you know let's get a yes from the person and by that what i mean is says oh have you got a moment just to talk about you know that event or or i have some ideas about what we're doing and what my intention behind that is is that the first thing that i'm hoping is i'm going to get buy-in rather than a drag-in, so they're going to say yes and once i have the person's commitment that to me is, okay, I'm starting from a committed start. And from the person that I'm speaking to, is, it's got a sense of control. And I think sometimes when the feedback, and when we're thinking about this emotional, Elliot, it's, it is all about, I think, centred around the control. So that to me is a great way, is get a buy-in. Get a yes, you might get a no, but let's say you get a yes. And then on the emotion thing, you must be specific and use only objective language and by that I mean you must relate only to what you saw or what you heard. So for example, making statements like you shouldn't be so defensive or you could be more proactive, to me they are really not good feedback. What they're going to do immediately, you're running the risk of triggering somebody into a reaction rather than a response. So a classic one would be, instead of saying to somebody you're not reliable, you are not reliable, you could say You said you would do that by 11 o'clock and I still don't have it yet. That to me is just specific. You're relating exactly to what you saw or you heard. And then importantly is the impact. Not an emotional impact, but the impact that had on you. So because you didn't get that email to me by 11 o'clock, I then couldn't continue my work. And I think it's really important that we actually relate the impact In a non-emotional way, again, go back to we're addressing the specifics that you saw or heard. Relate the impact directly to those data points. And then finally, to make sure that we're closing that feedback loop, that we're actually growing from that feedback, I think always end with a question. like This is what I'm thinking. Do you think we should do this or how do you see this? And to me, feedback is given like that. It is easy to accept. And that to me really is key. It's all about effective feedback, giving and taking. And Elliot, I 100% concur that all too often in workplaces that feedback may be given from an emotional standpoint. But feedback to me is not about venting. It's about self-growth and growth of those around us
0: that's actually a really good way to put it you know to sort of change your mindset as a leader it, instead of when i give feedback my intention is to challenge you uh to ensure that you can do better but I should also sort of set soft targets for myself to challenge myself to ensure that you are able to receive the feedback well, and you know our communication improves at the same time. Similarly, uh, something to think about. I've been speaking with Miss Elizabeth Fitzel, Managing Director, Asia Pacific at Sterling Risk. Next episode, we talk about creating opportunities for cross-generational mentoring. <music> Generation Gap is a production of SPH Radio. It's hosted and produced by Elliot Danker. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Listen to more of our podcasts at SPH Radio slash podcast. And if you have feedback for us, send it to podcast at sph.com.sg.